0: Welcome to Westside. Our family is wide open to people from all walks of life and spiritual backgrounds. We were all once far from God, but were called out to be the family of God. All of us on a journey to discover a life full of meaning, with Jesus at the center of all things. We gather to discover our calling, scatter to live it out. One church, one mission. Multiple locations with a single pursuit to impact Kansas City and beyond. Loving Jesus in response to His first love. Becoming like Jesus by the power of God's Spirit. Sharing Jesus because He is the hope of the world. What if a church led by prayer, united for something greater, became kingdom risk-takers to reveal the life found in the Bible, to wrap around the lost, the last, and the least in our city and around the world, to love and serve our neighbors, to build Christ-centered families, We will not rest until everyone knows they are loved as Christ has loved us. Westside Family Church. Loving Jesus. Becoming like Jesus. Sharing Jesus. We go further together.
1: Church, happy Sunday. We are so glad that you could join us this Sunday. We have a very special service today because it doesn't matter if you're in our backyard or halfway around the world, because you here at Westside Family Church are online. And if you're not a regular online attender, well you might not know me, but my name is Desiree. And I'm Sierra, And together we are your Online Gurus. So join us in the chat. Let us know where you are physically at. We would love to have that information. I can't wait to physically see and hug each and every one of you. But until then, share us with your friends and family online. And to keep up to date with all the happenings that are happening here at Westside, go to update.
2: Get ready because our service starts right now.
3: Hey everyone, it is so great to be with you all here in multiple living rooms online. Now today is gonna be different in a lot of ways. And if you've been around Westside any length of time, you probably already know that Westsiders Are some pretty amazing people. This is a community of world changers. Almost half the families represented here at Westside in different living rooms all over the place feed, clothe, and educate around 900 orphans and vulnerable children in South Africa, India, and Thailand through an organization Westside created called One Life. Thanks for your ongoing generosity, but there's more that Westside is a part of around the world that you may not even know about because we together also partner with Jesus to impact more people than just sponsorship. And once a year, Westside invests an entire Sunday to share exactly how Westside is changing lives all around the world and opportunities of how you can be a part of it. We call it Global Impact Sunday, and today is that day. Now, we plan Global Impact Sunday long before COVID hit. And when it did, not only did it change today's experience, because clearly things are different now, but it also changed the impact that we're able to have all around the world. So with that in mind, today is going to be like All Impact Sundays every year, a little different than what you're used to. And today we're also going to be spending some prayer time together and seeing just how Jesus is working in spite of COVID all around the world and how you are making a difference. This experience we have designed with you in mind to change the world starting today. So when we talk about global impact around here at Westside, inevitably people think about the vulnerable kids around the world that are given hope through you. And I can't think of anyone better to tell us about that important aspect of global impact than Renee Terrell. We got in a call together just a few days ago, and let's see that now. We're going to give this a try. The big question that I keep hearing is, are our kids okay?"
2: Um, Yes and no. Our countries are actually significantly different, um, both in how our programs are run and also in the response to uh, this global pandemic. Um, in India, because uh, we have not fully implemented a decentralized model and we are discovering that um, it's a lot harder to be effective in our programming because our kids have all been sent home to multiple villages hours and hours away and and with lockdown there's no access uh, to these kids. So our partners in India are doing a really good job about um, taking care of the immediate communities within, uh, you know, several hours around where uh, our homes are and they're providing food. Um, They've done an initiative where they provided 4000 masks to community members, uh, kids and their families. Um, Yeah, which is amazing. And then they're also um, distributing food just to the local community to families that are struggling because um, over, I think I saw a statistic over 30% It was way more than that of Indians are day laborers and they literally work today for what they're going to eat tonight for dinner. And with uh, the shutdown, they're not working. And so they have they literally have no food. Um, In Thailand, our partners are discovering that this pandemic has actually been really advantageous as it relates to our community development uh, program, because pastors and community leaders are realizing how important it is to have a sustainable program where they can actually feed themselves. And um, so our partners there um, were prepared for this. They're decentralized and they have some really healthy community development uh, programs in the works. And so they're able to um, provide the families that are in need and our children that are in need uh, with food because it's readily available. They don't have to leave home. Um, It's all there. Uh, In South Africa, um, our children in South Africa live in um, townships and also in rural areas. In the townships, the struggle is really, really significant. Our children, um, without One Life, would literally be starving. Um, They're not allowed to leave. Their parents cannot work. And they also kind of live um, hand-to-mouth. So our children there are receiving packages from our One Life staff. They've received permits from the government, and they go in once a week with uh, significant uh, food parcels uh, for each of our one-life families. And then in some of our communities, they're also doing uh, some relief work uh, where they're providing um, a meal three times a week for the rest of the community's children, um, which we refer to as soup clubs. And so... Not only are we caring for our own One Life kids, we're also reaching out into the local communities and um, helping some of those um, families that are just really, really struggling right now. Uh, Our um, partners have gone into the homes of our children and the cupboards are bare. There is nothing. They have no food in their homes. And uh, so One Life's um, uh, ministry in the communities has really, really been impactful uh, during the pandemic um, for our kids in South Africa.
3: So um, obviously, when people hear that, the next question becomes, what can we do
2: from here? Um, Yeah, you know, our partners primarily, the first thing they ask for is prayer. And I feel like sometimes they understand way more than we do uh, the power and the significance of talking to God um, about the things that we're encountering every day and every moment. And so their their number one request is please, please, please pray, pray for us. Pray for our children, pray for our uh, pastors, our community leaders. Um, so that is, and I know it, it sometimes just sounds good, pray for us, but they really covet our prayers and our prayers are really, really valuable because um, we're literally bringing them to the throne of God um, when we're praying for them and having them ever present, um, you know, before our father. Um, so praying is our number one um request their number one request and our number one desire for our sponsors is to pray for their kids individually by name and then also for their families and then their communities
3: well that sounds like a really great place to start um, Is through prayer
2: mm-hmm. yeah for sure
3: okay so now is the time for prayer now for those of you who are in homes right now um, Now's the time for you to get whoever leads your home, whoever that happens to be, get everybody together and pray. For those of you who think you're alone right now, you're not, (laughs) Jesus is with you, and you have the rest of Westside with you right now. Here's what we're gonna pray for. If you wanna drop to your knees, you can. We're gonna pray for our kids. We're gonna pray for those that are most of them are immune deficient or immune compromised. And we want you to pray for them by name if you sponsor someone, because they pray for you by name. If you have one of those kids that you sponsor, if you have their photo on your fridge or somewhere in the house, go get it right now. Just bring it in to the living room, wherever, because we're gonna pray specifically for them. Now, if you don't sponsor a kid, that's okay. We want you to pray for the immune-compromised caregivers. I'm thinking of, I've I've got names in my head right now. One that I think of like Phong in, in Thailand, she's HIV positive and now takes care of other girls who struggle and are HIV positive because she knows what it's like, she knows what to do. She can't get COVID. She can't. In many cases, some of these caregivers, they're putting their own lives on the line to help these kids because they themselves, they're elderly, like in South Africa, where they have compromised health themselves, yet they do it anyway. They deliver food, they check up on the kids because they care and they know what it was like for them when they were kids. So we're gonna pray for the sponsored kids, we're gonna pray for the caregivers, we're gonna pray for the kids that are in abusive situations. Because the whole reason that some of these kids, they're even part of the sponsorship program is because of their home situation. And in some cases, they have to go back on lockdown in those same homes, and there's abuse in some of those homes now. And right now, that abuser is in lockdown with them and doesn't have the usual vices to use as coping mechanisms. So we're gonna pray for their protection. And when we give them food and supplies, that protection matters even more because as this crisis is getting more and more desperate, it can actually make the kids more vulnerable anyway because now they're a target for violence because they know, oh, food is in this house. And there's there's a few people now that are just getting food. So those four things, we're gonna put them on the screen, And now is your chance to pray for protection, pray for extra angels of protection around those that care for kids and around those kids and change the world in that way because I know that they pray for you. They pray and fast for you. And some of them do it by name because they know they're sponsored. And they know that you're feeding them right now. And it matters. And they ask us to pray. That's what we're going to do right now. is good for the soul when we pray, because it reminds us that God is good and while everything that happens may not be, He has an uncanny way of working things out for good. Now, maybe you were wondering about the kids who aren't sponsored. Not just the kids on the One Life site who are seeking sponsorship, but the other kids. You know what I'm talking about? In the villages, and the townships. Now, we've been thinking about that too for a long time, actually. Westside only has a certain capacity to properly care for around 900 vulnerable children through sponsorship, but what if sponsorship weren't the lid for caring for kids? What if we could care for even more hungry through food sustainability and micro-business development that would raise up the whole village? Now, this, this is where it gets good. We've been working with our partners to create food sustainability over the past few years. And Thailand seemed to be making the most progress of all of them. So we went to visit late last year to celebrate what Jesus was doing there and inform our other partners. And what Ed, one of our Thai partners had to say was wise and oddly prophetic for what we were to face globally in a few months.
4: Hi everyone, just want to show you how the community development is effective, the just planting and healthcare for the children, for the children ministry. I have the fish farm, I have mushroom farm, I have the chicken farm, and I have vegetable farm, just small. I do it just is enough for the family to helping the local people how to do it by themselves, because most of the people over here, they don't know the... Uh, the knowledge how to grow a vegetable farm, how to do what I can do now. But I want to let you know uh, that it's very effective between just planting and helping the children to have food to eat every day and to helping the local pastor to get to know how to do it rightly and to have enough food for themselves also. That is a wonderful ministry that I can help many, many uh, local pastors and I can help many uh, villages now to get to know how to do it by themselves. Thank you. Here's some more
3: information of what's going on in Thailand, especially the village of Pakam. Now, there are neighboring villages that are around Pakam like Wailua and others. And Pakam has started already, not only have they had the capacity to like feed their own, but they've started discipleship efforts and they've already baptized a new believer in Wailua, the neighboring village, And they're doing relief work there, providing much needed nutrition. Another neighboring village, Kunamjuang, they were able to provide relief through the abundance and the overflow of their own community development projects. And we have children who need to be sponsored in both of those villages. Something else that's going on is prison inmate reentry. Ed is taking the time to go into the prisons and to preach the gospel. And thousands, no joke are coming to Jesus. Now, the trick for them is re-entry back into society after they're released from prison because they have the same problem like they do here in the States. Nobody wants to hire them. So he's creating this sustainability freedom farm project so that they can learn the skills to feed themselves, feed their families, and preach the gospel. Now, that's what's going on in Thailand, but in India, Unfortunately, they don't have as much centralized food sustainability. But One Life, just like you and just like me, we have an emergency fund that we are using in this time to create strategic goodwill in those communities and helping local businesses pivot. And when the world, the whole world is unsure and afraid, it is our job there to show up, serve, and spread Christ's love. And as India is in lockdown, leaving day laborers without income and the vulnerable without food, our partners are taking donations, making masks and distributing food and soap to locals and those in need. One of our partners, Enosh, is also making times of prayer and fasting while meeting the needs of the most desperate. And it kind of reminds me of that passage in Isaiah 58, verses six through nine, where it says, is not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? And I love what verse 8 says then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, he will say, here am I. So let's take this time to cry for help. And as the curve gets flatter, it also makes it longer which creates other issues like hunger in the poorest of places. So right now we're going to pray for micro-businesses and the economics of all these places where we are ministering. We're going to pray that there is enough food for the villages. We're going to pray that the food will open doors for the gospel and pray that there is an awakened sense of community from the micro-business development that as these businesses pivot and create masks and do all these other things that they would prosper actually during this time, because you just can't stop Jesus' kingdom. Just like 1 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So let's take that power and that love and that self-control and take it before God right now as we pray for our brothers and sisters across the world.
5: is still the rage in me to still every way at your name jesus jesus
3: 16 through 21, verse 16 says, He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled back up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Hope you caught that. Jesus' plan was holistic from the start. Everything that he was touching there, Jesus' kingdom touches everything. Church touches business that touches vulnerable children. You can't have business without stability. Lying, cheating, and stealing doesn't make for a good business environment. And if there's no ethics, no morals, only the strong survive, which puts the last the lost and the least in vulnerable situations, whether that's the poor, the weak, or the forgotten. And that's why Jesus' church is so important. Because of church planting, more vulnerable kids are being cared for, and more businesses are being raised because of the environment of peace that only Jesus can bring. We've got villages that are being lifted up by the gospel, and it changes communities from the inside out because of this holistic approach Now, let me give you some stats on some growth. In 2017, we had 402 churches, and those 402 churches baptized 1,990 people. In 2018, we had almost double that, 770 churches, and we had many more baptisms, 7,994. Now, in 2019, We had 1,061 churches and 10,990 baptisms. Think about that for a second. Because of you, because of your generosity, these churches exist now. Now, these churches aren't what you would normally think of with like a church with a big building and paid staff, but if we've learned anything during this COVID crisis, is that the church is not a building because you're living proof in your living room. We all get to experience that kind of church that Jesus is building all around the world right now. And Jesus, well, he's just getting started. COVID hasn't stopped the church. They were in homes anyway. Many didn't have buildings, Some, and some of them now, they're doing church online just like us. And some of those church planner trainings They're doing those online and they're actually working out better because we don't have to deal with all the travel expenses and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to worry about people getting stopped at the border or having the government or the police get involved. You just can't stop Jesus. Now that's not to say that there aren't challenges for those church planters and those pastors, especially in places like South Africa and those that are in urban areas. There's looting, there's heightened desperation, and our church planter network is staying on top of the needs with WhatsApp groups and constant communication, and we're doing the best we can. In Thailand and Laos, situation is a lot better. They're the least affected because of the food sustainability and microbusiness development. Now in India, most of the rural pastors are bivo-day laborers, bivocational, they do both, who now, they don't have a job, and they don't have an income, there is no stimulus check sent for them. And on Sundays, they're used to having people come to church, and they would tithe in small bags of rice, which his the pastor and his family would eat on for the rest of the week. Now, here's what you need to know, that all of those pastors in all of those countries, they pray for us. They fast for us. So now is our chance to return the favor. Let's have a time of prayer for those on the front lines of kingdom expansion, because let's pray that they will trust Jesus like never before. So let's have this prayer time for these church planters and pastors. Let's pray for the day laborers, the Bible pastors. Let's pray that the food that's shared will create gospel conversations. Let's pray that Jesus' church would thrive in this time of crisis as people sense their need for God's protection and God's healing. Let's pray that we would believe in Jesus more than the situation.
5: believe in the holy spirit
3: see how it all works together. We've got orphan care that synergizes with community development, that synergizes with church planting. It all works together and you are a part of their story. Because people who decide to have a global impact and become world changers, those who have gone over there to India, Thailand, and Laos and seen firsthand what Jesus is doing, they always come back changed. They get at a soul deep level that not only does Jesus love them, but Jesus loves the world. And it helps them to look at their own first world problems differently. <laughs> it gives a completely different perspective on all the things we're dealing with, like getting upset that Target wouldn't take back all that toilet paper is now not that big of a deal. And it causes you to look at suffering differently and it builds a resilience in your soul when you understand, truly understand, that Jesus, he's all you need. And just one of those world changer stories is Sandy. And I want you to hear Sandy's story. We filmed her before this whole COVID thing started, but I think that you'll begin to see how becoming a world changer makes you resilient in ways that you didn't know that you could be in Jesus' power.
1: Spiritually, I grew up in a Christian home. I was pretty quiet in my, in my spiritual growth. You know, just not going to church. I wasn't participating in any small groups. I wasn't serving. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to do a mission trip. I wanted to go on a mission trip. Just to travel and see another part of the world really intrigued me. The biggest thing was, it was a video that they played at Westside. And we were only going to Westside, gosh, maybe once a month at the best. It just so happened we were there on that Sunday, which was actually just amazing in, in in and of itself. I feel like when I saw that on the big screen was the first time in a long time I heard God just say, you have to go do this. I hadn't been open to hearing from Him in a long time. so. I think that life had really kind of gotten in the way prior to going on that mission trip. So when I went on this mission trip, it definitely just opened my eyes to a completely different world. Um, I'd never seen poverty like that. But in the midst of all the poverty, I'd never seen people be so happy and joyful and loving And I can remember we were painting the front of the school and Mike Crosby pulled me aside. I said to him, I'm like, you have to get these kids over here. We've got to get this done. We're never gonna finish before we leave. And he said, you know what? It doesn't matter if we leave and this isn't finished. What they're gonna remember is the time we spent, the relationships that we made, and that's what matters. It made me really think a lot more about relationships than the task when you get out of God's way and you just let Him, you know, guide you, then you just, it always turns out better. So when I came back, God just gave me a, a heart for serving. I just, I felt really um, compelled to just serve in some capacity, whatever capacity, all capacity. And then from that point forward, we went to church every Sunday because I served in the student ministry. And He never questioned it but just because I was doing it just kind of pulled him along to do it. And then getting my kids involved just kind of caused them to be pulled into it as well. Now, you know, he and Jack, they go and they do serve things without me. I don't have to be the one that says, let's go do this.
6: She went first five years ago to the South Africa mission trip, and when she came back, she was a completely different person. She was new energy level, just happiness. It's contagious to a whole family. So you can show up to church and you know that's half the battle, but going and serving is something completely different. I think it ages you spiritually millennia. It's crazy how much you age. I kind of learned that you need to take it in and learn from it. So when I went to South Africa, I would say I, I grew up the most when I came home. That's what I took away from it is like I could serve here. I can, I can implement this in my community and make it better.
1: So our spiritual maturity now, compared to five years ago, I would say it wouldn't even be in the same book. If we hadn't had the growth that we'd had in the last five years, I don't, I don't know how we would have gotten through the last six months. It would have been hard. And just having him just be so supportive and to see him lean on God like he, de- he leans on God just gave me so much more strength. So it just, it would have changed everything.
6: I couldn't be more grateful for Westside providing these opportunities because just thinking about all the generations that were changed on this one trip, just this one trip is like, you know, the kids that I, that I went there to help I didn't just help them, but they saw like the love that people can give them. Just crazy. They're going to grow up, you know, remembering those moments.
1: If you feel like God's calling you on a mission trip, if you just answer that calling, he'll find a way. And I know we always say that, but it's happened that way for me every time. It's totally worth it. It's so worth it. Yeah.
3: So you want to be a world changer? Here's what you can do starting right now. You can pray. Or you could sponsor a kid. We have 40 kids now that are ready to be sponsored. And when it comes to sponsoring, One Life cares for AIDS orphans in South Africa, living in rural villages and townships, at-risk children in India from poverty-stricken villages, and children in Laos and Thailand who have been rescued or are at risk for child trafficking. We, and by we, I mean many of the people that are here online with us, many of us have committed to giving $38 a month to transform a child's life, change their life by providing them food, shelter, educational and spiritual guidance that will give them hope and a future. And today you can join us. If you have a One Life Child already that you sponsor, write them. While you're at home right now with your family, this is a great opportunity to sit down together and write to your child. Maybe your kids would like to write or draw your sponsored child some pictures. They could seriously use some words of encouragement during this time because they're rightfully scared. And the children also want to know that you and your family are okay. All they see in the news is that the United States is in great danger, even in crisis, your sponsored child thinks about and prays for you and your family. So feel free to attach a family photo so they can see and remember you as they pray. So let's take this time to show these beautiful children of God that they're not lost, they're not forgotten. You can also sponsor a project because when those grade school kids graduate and their schooling is complete, we don't want them to be young adults on the street. Through the Further Education Fund, they can attend skills training centers, colleges, and universities to become nurses, accountants, translators, tour guides, teachers, pastors, engineers, and business owners. You can also get more info by joining our global Facebook group, or you can sign up for a video coffee. I mean, we don't can't go to Starbucks together, but we would love to have a conversation with you. And all of these options for you to be a world changer at whatever level can be found at westsidefamily.church slash global impact. And it reminds me of a passage in Proverbs, Proverbs 19, 17, that says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. And I'm praying that there will be much reward for the West Side World Changers among us as we join Jesus in changing the world together. Thanks for being with us today. Go be a world changer.